so I reiterate here, the bill is dead. The story of this great city is about the years before this night. What's up? This is Ho Ho Hong Kong. I am Andy Curtin, and I'm coming to you ahead of this week's podcast because uh, I need to clear something up a little bit. This week's guest is the infectious disease expert and all-round amazing person, Professor Ben Cowling, and I have messed up. Uh, my little ghetto sound system has screwed up on me, and I have failed to properly record the audio on this podcast, um, and it's devastating because this is one of the best interviews we've ever done. It is phenomenal. We talked about vaccines. We talked about vaccine hesitancies, some really serious issues going on right now, and the mics didn't work properly. Um, But thankfully, one of the other microphones picked up the recording and it is, and and I'm going to release it, but I just want to let you know the sound quality is not what it should be. Um, In fact, if the interview wasn't so amazing i'm not sure i would have put it out there but i just have to get it out there so first of all sorry and second of all if you can sit through a lower sound quality i gotta tell you it is really worth it because professor cowling as usual brought it and and um all i can say is it is definitely worth getting through this so apologies here's this week's podcast Hey, what's up? This is Ho Ho Hong Kong. I'm Andy Curtin. I'm here with Mohammed Vagdi. Mohammed Vagdi. Mohammed Vagdi. Yeah, for fully vaccinated. Oh, look at you coming out with pride now. Yeah. <laughs> How many arguments do we have about getting vaccinated? A lot, but it's mostly because I just like to write you up. <laughs> Most wow. of my arguments are not based on something I believe in. Success. So where can people <laughs> find you online, Mohammed? Uh, the other Mohammed. Uh, on Instagram and all that on jazz. Instagram, you can find me at Andy Curtin on Instagram, all the other stuff. Um, also, if you're enjoying the podcast, please hit subscribe and massive thank you to our Patreon subscribers. So, we set a target. We said if we're going to get 10 more, we'll have enough budget to, yeah. to do a big upgrade of our microphones. And we've had amazing support. I want to say big thanks to Cyril, Philip Hand, Lockie Clancy, my good buddy, Stephen Ott, a legend oh my God, of the Stephen. WeChat group, and Adam Nowak. Guys, thank you so much. We need six more. We've got six more targeting. Yes. Stephen can just sign up again. Yeah. <laughs> you sent me a note about your Patreon. I know. Like, how garbage it is. <laughs> I know. It's basically a troll at this point. But he fell for it. He was just sending me angry messages. But we're very excited because we're uh, upgrading the equipment is going to really help us take this to another level. So it's a huge uh, uh, you know, motivator for us. And we're putting out a bonus set every Thursday. Lots of un- fun content. Now, today's guest is he has got a huge... Following amongst, amongst the Ho yeah, Hong Kongers. If not the biggest guest we had. Yeah, uh, he is the Division Head of Epidemiology and Biostatistics at HKU, a co director of the WHO Collaborating Centre for Infectious Disease Epidemiology and Control, and an all round awesome person, Professor <laughs> Ben Cowan. Thank you. Thank you for coming yeah. back on. Hi, Andy. Hi, Mohammed. Hey, hey. Um, yeah, so we're at, uh, a long title, by the way. That's the longest. Yeah. Most other people were like, they did this one thing. (laughs) You know, like the medieval shows when they have like mother of dragons and protector of the realm. That's basically you. Do you think think we can do all that stuff and have have time to watch frigging Game of Thrones? That's for comics like you. Uh, Yes, exactly. For people who have no life. Children. (laughs) 
Now, the, the one big thing, I mean, you, I, I guess you're always busy, but um, certainly what you're doing is, is such a hot topic at the moment for, you know, the last two years. <laughs> um, but the big thing that everyone's talking about now, especially in Hong Kong, is just vaccine hesitancy. Yeah, that's right. It's an issue for us in Hong Kong. It's not only in Hong Kong, it's an issue around the world. Mm. Uh, we know that the, the pathway back to normal life, the pre-COVID normal life, has to come through vaccines. What we've been doing in the past year are just emergency measures. We've had emergency lockdowns, emergency social distancing, emergency use of face masks, lots of other things in the past year. We're not expecting to keep those going for another five or ten years. We, we want to stop doing those. But we can't do that unless we have another sustainable solution. And that's going to be vaccines, where instead of having to stay at home for the next year, you get a couple of jabs in your arm, and then that's it. You're kind of immune, and you can go back to normal. That's not to say that COVID is going to completely disappear, mm. but we're going to suppress it down into something that's not a big issue anymore. So it's not going down to zero, but it's going to go down to a very low level once, once a lot of us get vaccinated. Would that be comparable to, like, you know, people getting flu shots, I think so. Maybe somebody, what we want to bring COVID down to is something more like flu, that it may be a challenge in some years, and it's something to be aware of, but it's not something that's going to crash the hospital system, like we've seen in India just very recently, that you know, once you have too many cases, they can't get into hospital, and then there's knock-on problems. There's not enough beds, not enough doctors, and then they run out of oxygen, and then they run out of, run out of medicine, and we don't want that to happen. We don't want it to happen in Hong Kong, anywhere else in the world. And that's why we've had to have the lockdowns in the past year. That's why we're wearing masks, because we don't want to see resurgences in transmission. If, if we have a high vaccine coverage, it means even if the infection does spread, it's going to be generally mild, and it's not going to pose a threat to people's lives. It's not going to mean a lot of people need to go to hospital at the same time. And you, you actually were mentioning on the last recording, I think in, in uh, regard to Brazil, just how tragic it is when they run out of oxygen. It's terrible, because... What, what we know with COVID, the mortality rate on a per-infection basis is something like maybe two or three per thousand. So if every thousand people that get infected, just two or three will die. But once you have a situation where hospitals run out of oxygen, that goes up substantially because a lot of people that could be okay if they got the hospital bed with the oxygen cylinder, if they can't get that, suddenly they're in trouble. And so the mortality rate goes up five times, ten times. Well, they, you know, the economists have for this week have got uh, a report that they've done estimating COVID deaths based on excess deaths, mm -hmm. mortality in each country. And they estimate that India's had a, a million deaths from COVID this year yeah. already. Yeah. It's terrible. It is terrible. Uh, well, just like Andy said in the beginning, like I, I had a lot of concerns and I still do. So I think in, throughout this episode, I might be the sound of concern or opposition to some of the things that you're saying. One of them is the vaccine being just part of our lives now. Are we going to need boosters? Like, I'm fully vaccinated now. Is that something people worry about? It's like, am I just going to get vaccinated every six months? That sucks. And what if I don't? And then they're going to stop me from flying? Are they going to stop me from going places if I'm not boosted in a year? Yeah, that, that's a lot of different questions all in one question. Right. Yeah. For the booster doses, we, we don't yet know at what point we might need a booster dose. And it might be different for, for different vaccines. So people who've got BioNTech, Mm. Um, my suspicion is that's going to last actually for years. <laughs> for people they're, who are, they're effectively invincible. <laughs> <laughs> it, looks, it looks really good after the after two doses. The, the level yeah. of immunity looks really, really good. Which and explains so, me being naked in front of you right now. Uh, <laughs> it, it's going to come down. I've stopped because, wearing seatbelts, yeah, <laughs> condoms. I don't wear them anymore. You know? right. So the protection is going to come down over time, but it's not going to come down that quickly. Right. Um, for other vaccines, maybe it's going to come down a little bit more quickly or the protection isn't as high to start with. Mm. But there is one 
problem. Mm. There's variants that you've heard about. UK right. variant, South yes. Africa, Brazil, India. Yes. Those seem to be covered by the vaccines we have, mm. but who knows, in, in six months' time, in a year's time, there might be another variant from somewhere else that, that crops up that yeah. can somehow evade the yeah. vaccines we have, and that's more likely to be the reason we'll need a booster dose, not because of like the decline in immunity right, right. now. It's more that there might be a strain that comes up later. But that's what people are, are, are concerned about. Is like, what's the point if I'm just, they're just gonna have are gonna have new variants and then new vaccines? It's just gonna be the same shit over and over again. You know, for those of us that are not epidemiologists, which is uh, me and Muhammad, yes, um, I, I, the variants to me are kind of like a remix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, where uh, it's much worse than the original, yeah. and you hear about it on the radio yeah. constantly. <laughs> it's like a that's mashup right. as well. Right? Yeah. Like, it takes different things and, and it's usually together. Together. Also, can we just flag something? But we walked in here today, and something happened when we entered. Oh yeah, uh, with the face mask. Do you want to? No, I don't think. (laughs) So, so did you put your mask in your shoe? I put the mask by the shoe just because I I take it off before I came in. All three of us are fully vaccinated, so I'm actually not too worried about exposure risk right now. I used to to put it in a case, like you know, like local people, and then I saw you put it in your shoe. I'm like, I'm gonna put my mask in the toilet next time. Actually, the most important thing with the mask is to wash your hands after you took it off. Okay, uh, okay. that's yeah. good to know. Yeah. I mean, if the mask is working, then it's going to be dirty. You can yeah. say dirty with, with contaminants yeah. on it. And you just want to be careful what you do. If you touched it, then wash your hands after. So afterwards. you put it in your shoe. But, right. but right now, there's, there's basically no COVID in Hong Kong. I think it's minimal risk. So we can take a little bit of a break and be a little, yeah. yeah. Have a little bit of a relaxation for now. Need to be on our guard if COVID comes back, but actually for fully vaccinated people, I, the CDC just announced this morning, 14th of May, um, that uh, vaccinated, fully vaccinated people don't really need to wear face masks, which I agree with. I, I think this is as good as it gets now for vaccinated people. So one thing, you know, that just reminded me is, is the last time we recorded, I, there were some cases in the city and your approach was, you, you were clearly much more cautious at the time. And I, I, I just noticed that your I, uh, it seems to me more really paying attention to the state right now of cases in the city and controlling our behaviour on that, which I think most people aren't thinking like that as much. Yeah, the, we've got an issue to deal with called fatigue, pandemic fatigue. Mm. So it's been more than a year now. Right. I think all of us are tired with having to stay at home more often, wearing the mask when we go out, all those other things. So if the case numbers are low, it's a really good opportunity to have a break. So to not wear the mask so much and, and maybe not do so much social distancing because if case numbers do come back up again, hopefully they won't, but if they do, we're going to need to go back to all those measures again, and it's going to be tough. We're all tired of that. Yeah. So right now... Oh, we should, though. Let's take like, a if there's an outbreak. Of course, you know, I think yeah. we should. But right now, I think it's okay to take a break. Let's, let's take it a little bit easy, uh, meet your friends, uh, go a bit more when you're in the country park, take the mask off, have a breath of fresh air, right? Because it's, it's actually really a low-risk state right now in Hong Kong it's, yeah. it's good it's do you know good. what kind of depressed me the other day my, my daughter just turned two she has spent more than half her life in face masks yeah and there was a period of time you imagine with a two year old trying to get him to keep a mask on where she's just like she's yeah. like this no she's also a troll yeah she's a very like she's very physically <laughs> aggressive human no she um, knows she knows what you don't like and she does it just for a laugh yeah that's, that's, that's my child so I don't need to get a DNA test uh, but She's also, now she leaves the house and she's like, where's my mask? Where's my mask? And it's so... Oh, that sucks. Yeah, I was yeah. like, wow, it's that's habit. sad. It's a habit. Yeah. It's a habit. You should get her to do hand washing more. 
habit, mm-hmm. get the habit of hand washing going because that's a good habit to have. The kids are pretty good with it actually. Yeah. Kids are kids are creatures yeah. of habit. I mean, yeah. we all are. Yeah. But if you you sort of firm on it for a little while, you get to a point where they don't even think about it. They I just mean, especially when they see other people around the, around them, everyone's wearing a mask. The one thing they're terrible with is like like my, the, the the thing that cracks me up the most is people that wear face masks and then touch the handrail on the MTR, and I'm like, man, you're hygiene protocol. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't touch it. I just lick to it. To me, but. that's the equivalent of like putting sunscreen on your ears and then self-immolating. <laughs> um, and the kids, they'll, they'll, they will touch anything and then touch their eyes and touch yeah. their nose. And yeah. there's really nothing you can do to stop that for right. little kids. Just, uh, right. Going back a little bit on like uh, your point on like we're we're pretty safe now right now. We right. should relax a little bit, but just keep our guard up. Mm. One of the things I struggle with, I go to yoga and I do a lot of exercise. And yoga, humble brag. I know. In the yoga studio, I argued with them about keeping the mask on during exercise because, to me, as a layman, I think that's not healthy to keep the mask on while you're working out and doing like all these crazy poses. It's also like, gross. It's, it's exactly. It's gross. It's getting sticky, and I'm pretty sure I'm inhaling more of whatever's on the mask. And I'm like, I'm fully vaccinated. They don't care. And I'm okay. Can, well, I mean, maybe in, I can in their send defense, them. though, like they. I know they're following the government. But they will get fined if they break the I, rules. I get that. What I'm saying is, like, that's, like, at least for stuff like that, like, maybe I, you can say something and I kind of like, hey, here's an expert. Yeah, what I'd like to see in the future is that there's exemptions for fully vaccinated people that you, you don't need to do the, the face mask, you don't need to do some of the other stuff because you pose a much lower risk. Right. Um, um, so it's evidence-based, yeah. but that's also going to be uh, maybe an incentive, an encouragement for people to choose to get vaccinated because then they can have these these additional benefits which are evidence-based. I mean, well, okay, well, that's a good segue because yeah. there was a good question from uh, Dewey uh, in, the, uh, in the WhatsApp group. Um, he was saying, what do you, he was asking what your thoughts are on incentive mechanisms, and there was a fantastic one this week from, I think, the governor in Ohio Million dollars. Who's offering yeah. a million dollars? <laughs> Lottery. That's, like, that's yeah. actually a great idea. I mean, I, I'm very curious the economics of it because it's like obviously they, they need to spend money to, to promote I mean, I think in Hong Kong they could just give away welcome vouchers and everyone's just going to be lining up. Yeah. Yeah. So for, for Hong Kong right now, there's a few different paths we could take. One of the paths we could take is just the status quo. So let's keep the virus at zero, let's keep it out. And I've heard a lot of people arguing that we should do that. So never mind about vaccination, never mind about. Uh, some of the other stuff. Let's just focus on the quarantines of people coming in, identifying cases and keeping the number at zero, and we'll all be fine because we won't have COVID. Right. But the problem for that is the quarantines, the social distancing, the face masks will be here to stay. So I'm not so keen on that strategy uh, for the coming years. So if we want to go back to normal, we can't do that unless we have high vaccine coverage. It won't be safe to do so. Mm. So in order to achieve high vaccine coverage, we've got to figure out how that's going to happen. And it's the government's job to, to really encourage people to get vaccinated, either with carrots or with sticks. And we saw one of the sticks was the maybe the, the requirement that domestic helpers should get vaccinated to renew their contract. Which that's is a, pretty rough. That's a stick, right? Yeah. Mean, yeah. So you got carrots and sticks. But it's also backfired so, pretty, pretty fast. And the bars as well, right? The bars, yeah. there, there's a thing like the bars have to be fully vaccinated, have, the staff have to be fully vaccinated, another stick. And there's also carrots, mm. where we've seen that there's a reduction in the quarantine duration for vaccinated people, and there's suggestions of other things, like you mentioned financial incentives or, or whatever. I would much prefer to see carrots being used, and even bigger and juicier carrots than we've seen so far. Um, and what I've heard in opposition to that is the argument that even a fully vaccinated person might still get infected, might still have a chance to pass it on. That's true, but it's a much, much lower risk. And you've got to think about the trade-off that if you can get the vaccine coverage up to 40, 50, 60%, 
at that point, it doesn't matter anymore whether vaccinated people can still get infected and still spot infection because there's so many vaccinated people around that COVID won't do any damage anymore. We'll kind of be safe, mm. even if there's a low amount of virus going around. So, and, and then in terms of the amount of money and the amount of effort that could be spent to raise vaccine coverage, think about how much GDP has been lost in the past year in yeah. Hong Kong with uh, Asia's world city yeah. that's become a hermit kingdom with with 500 people arriving at the airport every day instead of hundreds of thousands. Mm. And the tourism industry... To be honest, I live in DSD. I'm loving it. Well, sure. There's, yeah, <laughs> with there's the quiet, tourists, quiet yeah. on Canton Road. <laughs> yeah. Hey, yeah. I went but, to uh, Disney. It was great. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but if you add up... Selfishly, I kind of want them to stay this way. Uh, it's a really good idea to go to Disneyland and, and Ocean Park. Exactly. It's lovely. Yeah, yeah. Ocean Park. We were there to the kids' yeah. birthday the other day. Yeah. It was incredible. It's no yeah. lines. Yeah, but <laughs> if you think about how much GDP has been lost for Hong Kong, it must be an enormous sum. Oh, and yeah. then you divide that by seven million people, yeah. and you can say like we can afford in Hong Kong to to give this much per month, for mm. not only as a one-off, but that's yeah. an enormous amount of money that that would be worthwhile for Hong Kong to get fully vaccinated. Yeah. Because so are you suggesting the, paying people for getting vaccinated? I, I don't know. At least investing in the idea of encouraging vaccination. I don't know whether a direct payment's is a really a good idea, and I don't want to set a precedent. Did you, I, like, did you like the lottery idea? I, I think it's, yeah, David Webb's actually suggested that for Hong Kong as well. I, I think it's, it's a possibility, but I don't want to see a precedent where people start to only do things if you pay them to do it. I, I'd much prefer to see people wanting to get yeah, vaccinated. Yeah, that would almost be capitalism. <laughs> but from the government's point of view, I mean, the ball's now in the government's court to figure out how how to to get the mm. vaccine coverage up because we're now was it fifteen percent something like that sixteen yeah. percent with the first dose, most of whom will go on to get their second dose and a high percentage of Pfizer, right? Which is helpful. More than half is now BioNTech, which is good. Sinovac works as well though, I and mean, so both I mean, of these vaccines if it's more are more than half. Then the other half is obviously Sinovac. No, right, right, because right, that's the that's the two we have right yeah. now. That's right. So yeah. Um, I, I have a lot of frustrations, and one of them is the idea that I got I, I was vaccine hesitant, and we can get into that in a bit. But I, I I took the vaccine so I can go home, right? And I timed it. It's like okay, by the time I take the second dose, and then two weeks after that, I there should be some change. Yep. Uh, so I can go home and come back without having to do three weeks quarantine. Mm. That's not happening. And there's a lot of people who are in the same position when they took the vaccine so they can go see their parents so they can feel safe mm. and nothing has changed. And it seems like it's going to be like that for a long time. Now, I understand that it's because not a whole lot of people are getting vaccinated, so it's a duke. But at the same time, seeing stories like this discourages other people from getting vaccinated because they're like, we're stuck here anyway. It's we're not going to go traveling. Exactly. We're not yeah. going to go traveling. So and, and we're safe in Hong Kong. Mm. So why should I take it? I'm not going to go travel. When things open up, I will take it, and then it would be fine. But for now, even if I have a concern of 1%, I'm just not going to take it. And the other thing is that, I, I, I don't know what the percentage is in Hong Kong, but you know, something like 5% of Americans have a passport. Like, what percentage of people actually leave the city? Well, Hong Kong has no. Hong Kong people Might be higher than America, mate. Yeah. Uh, it's got to be far less than half of the city. I mean, considerably less than half the city. Probably. I mean, you have lived here the longest among the three of us. The expats move. Yeah. Inherently, yeah, I, I, I think a lot of people like to take short trips. I think a lot of people would like to go to the mainland, would like to go yeah. to Taiwan, Korea, Japan, right? Uh, so, Thailand, <laughs> yeah, well, like, th- Thailand, right? You know, Southeast Asia is also it's great to have short trips there, so for, be for the food yeah. and uh. But yeah, so, like, yeah, you see my point about like yeah. the whole tri- it, like yeah. h- how how do we tackle that? I, I advocated publicly yeah. for relaxing the quarantine to zero for fully vaccinated people. 
Um, but but that can I take that sound bite and give it to people at immigration so they don't send me to quarantine? Oh, no, they, they, they'll just send they, him. They, <laughs> yeah, no, no, they, they have their rules to follow. Um, um, so they they brought it down by seven days, but that means it's from twenty one to fourteen now, and it's still which seven is still a long, days at home after that. It's still a long period of time. Yeah. So I, I don't think it's a, maybe enough of a, a, a juicy carrot to exactly. to get back. It's not a carrot at all. It's so, a very so what would you carrot. like to see? Well, so you come down to zero. So, so you think that the non-cash, that kind of an incentive right. is the right way to go? Right. I think come down to zero. Let the fully vaccinated people act as if they're immune, behave yeah. as if they're immune, no further restrictions. Mm. Um, because the, the fully vaccinated people have, have done their bit for the city of Hong Kong to get back to normal. And mm. it's up to the rest to, to stop waiting, stop, stop wait and see. And, and start getting vaccinated so we can get the vaccine coverage up to a higher level right. and then go back to normal. As I said, that, I mean, one of the other parts that, yeah. that some people have been thinking about is just the status quo. Yeah. But I don't think that's the, the choice of maybe the majority of people in Hong Kong. But I, I don't know. If that is, if that's the path that we're going to choose, then mm. maybe there could be a public announcement that that right. is the, the, the way we're, we're right. planning. Right, because that's, that's going to yeah, get the sounds like a proper motive but, uh, for people to, to get vaccinated. Right, if we're planning to go back to normal, then I think it's, we, we've got to think of ways to, to get the vaccine coverage up and up and up. Um, jumping around a little bit, but going back to your stat, you, the, the, the number you mentioned about how if, uh, out of a thousand people, one person or two people get infected, mm. is that the number? No, no, so a thousand infections is one, oh. one or two. Right, okay, yeah, yeah, that's the number I was thinking yeah. of. Out of a thousand infections, people were to die. Now, I'm from Egypt, and I don't know how, how much you know about the situation in Egypt in general, uh, but in my family, we have had about 20 infections, yep. and more than 50% of them died. Oh, dear. Yeah, uh, that's including my uncle, my cousin, yeah. and my dad. And Older. Yeah. Older, older, yeah. Yeah, no, the cousin was 40-something, okay. and he didn't have a, a whole lot of, like, he was kind yeah. of obese, but not, like, morbidly obese. He, he was just yeah. kind of fat. Yeah. But the, that also, to me, when I hear that number, I'm like, that doesn't sound right, because they also have COVID. Do yeah. they have another mutation that we don't know about? No, 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 I, that, that's like globally, that, that's pretty much the, the picture. But what we also recognize is that a lot of COVID infections are actually very mild, may not even be recognized. Mm. So although you, you mentioned there's a lot of your family had it, mm. maybe the other family members also had it, but didn't even know about it. Mm. It's so mild, it's asymptomatic, whatever. Mm. And it, it, it does sound like, like bad luck. I think Yemen had some, there's a number, I think it's like case to mortality ratio yeah. or something. And Yemen's was like 30%. Yeah. Yes. And it also depends who's getting tested. If they only right. test in the hospitals, then of course you're going to see. Which actually see. takes me to the next point. Uh, which might be a little bit off topic but relevant about ventilators yeah. now my experience with my family is that every single person so usually it's the same pattern right it's like you get sick and if you live in a terrible country like Egypt they just send you home even when they know you have COVID you have a positive test yeah. and they're like alright just go home and monitor yourself whatever and all three people who are closer to me dad uh, uncle and cousin it's the same thing you go home and then you start feeling really sick you're like I need to go to the hospital you get there, you get an oxygen mask, you stay there, it depends, it varied. For my dad, who was the last one, he stayed on the oxygen mask for about five days. And because he was the third case in my family in a very short time, once he got into the ICU, we were already preparing funeral. Mm -hmm. Because it already happened the last couple of times. My uncle held on for about 20 days in the ICU. Mm -hmm. My cousin had like a week. My dad had like three or four days. Mm -hmm. The point I'm is so that sorry, it seems... Yeah. Uh, it's, my point is that it seems like ventilators kill people. 
what what we learned is it's really difficult to manage people with severe COVID. That's mm. the experience not only in Egypt but around right. the world. That once people get into the intensive care unit, it's really tough, and the mm. mortality has been something like fifty percent, um, just because the virus is such a nasty virus mm. that it's difficult. And there, there's no effective antiviral drugs. There's some steroids that help a little bit, but once someone gets into a really serious condition, but it's then tough to treat, is it tough to manage? Do, do, is sending people on, like putting people on a ventilator, is that the last? As a doctor, is mm. that is there something else you can do before uh, there, that step? If you can catch them earlier, there may be something that can be done. Uh, maybe the steroids or whatever that, mm. that we've heard about that, that could be given at an earlier stage, but it, it's difficult. In some people, it's just that the virus, like a runaway train, it just gets carried away, and then and then it's it's really very difficult to manage. So, would you um, say that sending people home earlier when they're tested positive is that like home like self monitoring or whatever? Is that a normal procedure? Or is that recommended, or is that something that should happen? It depends on the place. It, it, Depends on how much capacity there is in the healthcare system. So in Hong Kong, you, you know everybody goes into hospital. Everybody's right. monitored very carefully. Mm. Even the asymptomatic And they have cases. resources to handle. Right. Yeah, they can handle yeah. all of the cases. Yeah. Uh, in, in other places, if they don't have the resources, they're going to prioritize. And one of the things that really kind of shocked me was in a place like Brazil and India, that yeah. the doctors have to make tough decisions when they've got limited intensive care capacity, limited oxygen tanks. They have to choose which people are they going to are they going to put on oxygen and which people do they have to say and sorry. Stuff we don't like have age and, and right. And right. so people older than... But isn't um, that kind of, in a way, stupid? Because you're sending people home until they get more sick while you're waiting for the sick people that you have to mostly die, and then you get the more sick people back in, and that's your cue. I, I, yeah, I, but you also have to think some, some of the people that are sent home will, will just recover by themselves. Mm. Um, in some cases, whether or not you're in hospital, you, you have a similar progression because there's not an awful lot of things that... That they can do. They have oxygen tanks and mm. they have these steroids. Right. And they can keep an eye on you, but otherwise. Steroids was not an option in, in, in yeah. my family, or at least in Egypt, in so all the cases I know. Sometimes there's just not a lot of actual things that they, they can do except for just keeping an eye on you. Okay. Um, so being at home, some people might, might do better being mm. at home than being in a hospital. If they need oxygen, then yeah. that's usually the reason they'll be in the hospital because that's where they can do the oxygen safely. Right. Um, is a little bit. Mm, not not so common to take oxygen home with you, yeah. Um, unless it's a long term thing, sure. But uh, especially when it's in limited supply, right? Yeah, right, right, right. So they want to keep keep it in the hospital and then make sure they use it as as best they possibly can. Mm. But it's tough. I mean, that means you've got first hand experience of what COVID can do. I think in Hong oh, Kong, yeah. we're we're kind of lacking that because we've had in the past year two hundred people died. Which, yeah, I, mean, I most people that we we don't. I actually personally, it's funny because most of my family back home has had it. As I said. I personally don't know anyone in Hong Kong or outside of my family who even had COVID and recovered. Do you know anyone here? Uh, yeah, in Garen's cousin. But I mean, he flew in from London and oh, okay. he the airport and had it. Um, and in terms of people on the ground here, I mean, it's such oh, a small number. Exactly. I, I know a handful of people that have had COVID and it's all mild. Yeah, uh, I, 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 you know, and this is one of the things. And kind of getting back towards the kind of vaccine hesitancy question is my, my cousin in Australia sent me this article about yeah, you know, here's what you need to know right. about the vaccines. And, and one of the points they made is they were saying, oh, you know, the side effects of the vaccine are worse than COVID. And it's like that is such a poor analysis because it it, it looks at what COVID might be in some situations and ignores what it looks like when it gets bad, which doesn't happen with the vaccines. You don't, you don't get people going to ICU from the vaccine at the, at the rate that you're doing with COVID, right? You can also think about things like insurance policies, where you pay a premium for your insurance policy, 
and I don't know what the, the premium's going to be, but hundreds of thousands of dollars. And that's more than you'd expect to lose from, from whatever you're insuring. That's why you get it, the whole concept right. of insurance. Yeah. Because, it, because it could be an incredible loss, and that's why you have the insurance. So the, with the vaccine, sure, some people have a fever, some people feel tired the day after. You might not need your insurance. Right, you might not need it, because you might not have got COVID, you might not have died from COVID, but also there was a chance that you might have in, in the coming year or two. And so you, you get the vaccine, it's a kind of insurance policy. Okay, well, on the same topic, question from Tamara. She's I was just about to ask that, because yeah. it is a good question. Yeah, concerning the long-term safety of mRNA vaccines, would be great to hear your opinion on the potential of the vaccine's viral mRNA to interfere with regular cellular... Sorry, well, I'm, I'm obviously a dummy. I'll read it, I'll read it. Yeah. Um, she said it would be great to hear your opinion on the potential of the vaccine's viral mRNA uh, to interfere with regular cellular mRNA and their function, as apparently this is one of the mechanisms by which they could potentially lead to long-term pathologies in predisposed individuals such as degenerative diseases, tumors, etc. Yeah, I know that there's a lot of concern about the mRNA vaccines because they're, they're relatively... And so people know Pfizer is an mRNA Pfizer, vaccine. Pfizer and Moderna are the two mRNA vaccines. It's a new technology. It's been in the pipeline for, for probably 10, 20, even 30 years, mm. but not really used on a large scale until now. I think they had a, a couple of experimental vaccines they used in small numbers for other diseases in the mm. past decade, but COVID is the first time they're using it on a large scale. And the mRNA vaccine, it works by giving your body an instruction manual for part of the virus. So the, the what's injected into you is not actually the virus. It's like the instruction manual, like a Lego manual mm. for your body to then make part of the virus and that gets into that's in your body already, and then your immune system recognizes those proteins, mm. uh, viral proteins, and uh, helps you to develop immunity to them. And there is this concern that, that we've all heard about that maybe the mRNA is going to stay in your body and going to modify your your DNA some way. There's no evidence that happens. Mm. Uh, these vaccines have been extensively tested. Now, as to the long-term side effects, we we can't say what what. What's happening? What was going to happen to people who've had mRNA vaccines 20, 30, 50 years down the line? Because we haven't got any people like that. We've only been using them in, in the last. But that's the main concern years. for a lot of the people who are hesitant. It's like, I, yeah, I maybe that. in 20 years I'm going to be a zombie. I understand that. Uh, so, I, in that sense, I don't have any evidence to, to, to reassure people with because we don't have that long term follower. But at the same time, we already know there's no evidence whatsoever that the virus is staying in the body, that, sorry, that the mRNA is staying in the body, it completely disappears, mm. and the stuff in the vaccine is completely gone uh, very quickly. And is this connected to when we talked earlier about needing a booster, like these things don't last forever? So the, probably the reason that we would need a booster, at least for people who receive the BioNTech vaccine, the reason to have a booster is if the virus somehow changes, there's new variants right. coming up later that get around the immunity that we have right now because the, the, the BioNTech vaccine right now does seem to be able to protect against the South Africa variant, the Brazil variant, the Indian variant. To a lesser degree, but still. To a little bit lesser. It, it, I, I doubt it's a big drop, actually. I, I think it's still going to be pretty good against those. I, I want to go back to your earlier answer, though, because that's just scary. The idea that because we don't have... We haven't tested on people, obviously, or 20, 30 years who have taken it before. Yeah. Obviously, we're not the first wave, right? That's still terrifying for, for, for some people that, uh, well, that's obviously heard that a lot. I don't want to put something in my body that is not fully tested, that is not, you know, tried for hundreds of years like most of the other mainstream vaccines. What you're saying now to me as someone who is hesitant is terrifying me that maybe in 20 years something really bad is going to happen to me. Because, and then I would go back to this recording and be like, well, he was honest with me. He told me, I don't know what's going to happen to you in 20 years. 
one of the arguments that I have with Muhammad is, is that so many of our friends smoke cigarettes. Yeah. And they're worried about the long-term side effects. It's like, well, you know the long-term side effects. Yeah. yeah I mean, um, to do play we devil's long- advocate here, people, like when you're smoking cigarettes or when you're smoking, you are picking your poison. But right? it's, it's a dumb I, I argument. Buy, I don't buy that. Argument. Here's why I don't buy that. Is it's because you're picking your poison because you don't conceptually understand how horrific lung cancer is. No, of course I what, do. What, what are the... Uh, let's say MRI and I does have a you know, long-term negative consequence. What are mm-hmm. the chances that they're as severe as lung cancer? So, no, no, okay. Let me stop you here because, you know, you're also doing this, you know, it's kind of a diversion technique when you're, like, talking about something else that is not relevant to what we're talking I mean, it's about. Relevant. Right Here's why it's relevant. Your body is going to, if you live in a city, it's going to get toxins in it. It's going to have lots of things that are affected. You live in a city that has... But they are known. That's the difference. Yeah, lung cancer is known. I already know if I smoke in 20 years, I'm going to get lung cancer. I have all the answers. Well, how are you okay? Do you understand how bad lung cancer is? Yes, the conversation is not about smoke. Don't bring smoking into the conversation. Smoking, uh, the the conversation is about vaccine versus what's going to happen to me. If I could address specifically the point for mRNA vaccine. Hundreds of millions of people have now received the BioNTech vaccine, and some of them for for months already. We haven't seen anything that we're worried about so far. So you're right that, that in 20, 30, 50 years, maybe something's going to crop up. There's no real reason to suspect that's the case now. At the same time, the vaccines can have an immediate direct benefit. If your family members in, in Egypt had had the chance to get the MRI vaccine, they would have the chosen concern. it for sure. Yes. Because With all the concerns that I told in. you, I did take it because I know I want to go home and I know it's objectively dangerous for me to go home. Mm. However, it's still a concern of mine, even after I've taken it. Well, number one, I'm frustrated that nothing changed and I can't even go home. So I kind of feel cheated, to be honest, mm. by the government. That like, all right, you told me there is some sort of incentive when I take it. Now I can't take it. I didn't go to my dad's funeral. Mm. Uh, but the other side of that, as I said, is like, none of, I'm sorry, none of the things that you're saying are, are addressing my fears about this, me being a zombie in 20 years. No, I understand that. So I, I think I'll come back again to what, yeah. what should we do in Hong Kong mm. right now? Because... If we want to, we can choose the status quo. We can say, okay, let's never mind about vaccines. Yeah. We'll just keep the quarantines, keep the social distancing if we need it, keep the face mask, mm. and let's go on like this. Because then, then we can, you know, we, we, we don't need the people who don't want to get vaccinated. We don't need to persuade them to get vaccinated. Right. That is an option. But I don't think it's a great option for Hong Kong because of the economic damage sure. that's going to occur. So then, if we want to get out of the status quo, the only way is with vaccines. And there's a choice of different vaccines. We have the BioNTech vaccine, there's other vaccines, yeah. uh, science, science, and there's other vaccines in other parts of the world. Yeah. So if, if people say they don't want the BioNTech, but they'll have a different vaccine, yeah. we have the sign of that vaccine, actually. Mm. So that, that's, that's okay. People can choose that. With one. other vaccines that are not mRNA vaccine, is that, is that less efficient, but maybe on the long term, you have less risk of something unknown popping up? I I don't think I would go so far to say that. So, for example, with the AstraZeneca vaccine, Mm -hmm. it's a viral vector vaccine, which means it uses another virus as a backbone Mm -hmm. to the vaccine uh, contents Mm -hmm. and then has a little bit of the COVID virus, the the protein, added onto it. And that sounds like a great idea. It's working really well. But then if you... You know, in, in Europe, they picked up these blood clots. Right, One in right. 100,000, yeah. particularly younger adult women, mm. had these blood clots. And so, actually, who, who's to say that we wouldn't detect something similar with some of the other vaccines that, that we, we'd like to go? I, I know the government stopped uh, importing AstraZeneca vaccine to Hong Kong because right. of that safety concern. Australia's, so, had a, not, Australia's had a bad run with it as yeah, well. Yeah, but actually, yeah. I, I think maybe they should have got it because, I mean... Uh, 
right now maybe we'll choose not to use it, but if there are people who say they don't want to get the mRNA vaccine right. because of the, their concern, which yeah. I don't think is, is grounded, but I understand they have a concern. Yeah. If they prefer to get AstraZeneca, that's fine, get AstraZeneca. If they prefer Sinovac, that's fine, get You're Sinovac. saying it's, it's not grounded and you're an expert in the field, but you're also not giving me assurance wait, wait, that wait, nothing's going to happen. Here's a number that Tripperhead uh, on Twitter shared the other day, and it was the number of blood clots in people that aren't taking the vaccine. People get blood clots. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, for, for the AstraZeneca one, there's this very specific blood clot that is very, very rarely seen, and then it's been picked up in people who've just got the AstraZeneca vaccine. So that's pretty compelling that it's from the vaccine. For the mRNA, I, to, to address yeah. your question, I just, I, I think it, it's really difficult to imagine that there'd be some kind of long-term consequence from this compound, mm. which dissolves all, very, very quickly in, in your system. It, it, okay. I can't find it later. See, but, but yeah, I can't, that's... I can't give, Right, but I know, I know I'm not asking time. you for a 100% right. guarantee that nothing's going to happen, but the fact that you're telling me now that, no, it's going to dissolve in your body and most probably going to be fine, that's better than knowing, saying, oh, you should take it now to, uh, to, to address an immediate risk and who knows in 20 years if you're going to be a zombie or not because that's not, it's not reassuring. Well, listen, but like, the idea that the outcome is being a zombie is very unusual. Well, what, what, implications is, what diseases make people zombies? No, 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 dude. I'm using that obviously as but a ridiculous people, example. But, but I think it's a me. good point, though, yeah. because it's like maybe there are long-term consequences. But what, here, here's one for me, right? Yeah. It's not a COVID thing, but I, my son was born in Shanghai and as a as a, an infant lived mm. through severe pollution. Yeah. He now has a huge susceptibility to, to mm. uh, lung diseases, mm-hmm. you know, to... You know, if he gets a minor, if we all get a cold, he goes to hospital with a severe chest infection. Right. Is that because of the, the, the pollution? That there are things that go into our bodies that have long-term consequences. That you know, I mean, you got to manage this as yeah. being a human that lives in society. Yeah, I just want to. I just want to. Just want to. Yeah. question though: If we're looking at the potential unknown long conse- long-term consequences of vaccines, do you think that the mRNA poses? Uh, a greater possibility of a long-term consequences than the other vaccines? Yeah. Or do they all pose an unknown potential for I, long-term? I, I don't think any of them really have a uh, substantial risk of that. Um, we understand more about the inactivated vaccines, but actually, if, even for the viral vector vaccines, we haven't haven't used them so much in the past, mm-hmm. but there's no reason to think that those vaccines, because they again, they, they disappear in your body fairly soon after they've been administered. It's the mRNA because it's using your, your body in that particular way with this instruction manual. Yeah. And we, we haven't used it on a large scale before. I totally understand why, why people are concerned about it being a new technology. Yeah. But at the same time, I feel like we, we're, we're stuck without a lot of brilliant choices. So I, I, I think it's really important right now for Hong Kong to try and go back to normal mm. because of the economic consequences if we don't. Yeah. And because of the threat of COVID, we right. need to use vaccines, and the vaccines we have are the BioNTech vaccine and the Sinovac vaccine. Um, question from David. Uh, your thoughts on the CDC now saying masks are no longer necessary indoors for vaccinated people in the U.S., plus possible potential for transmission between vaccinated people? Yes, yeah, so I, I totally agree. Actually, I, I, I put something on Twitter the other day from a Republican governor mm-hmm. in Florida, Ron DeSantis. So we now know you're, you're uh-huh. a so political he's, affiliation. He's, um, <laughs> He's not very popular with, with, with a lot of my friends in the U.S. Right. because of his other policies. But this particular thing that he said, it, it caught my eye when I saw it in my news feed. Yeah. He said um, vaccinated people are immune and so they should act like it 
Yeah. In other words, there's no need to continue wearing a mask, no need to continue hiding in a basement, mm -hmm. because after you've been vaccinated for you, yeah. that's as good as it's going to get. Right. Um, if you want to wear a mask for the rest of your life, then sure, your go choice, ahead. Yeah. It's your choice, but you don't need to anymore. Right. It's your choice. But also, and I if think, you get COVID, it might not be severe, right? right co correct. So actually, in Singapore, just very recently, we've heard about this outbreak in the airport with quite a number of people who were fully vaccinated who got infected. Mm. It's not clear whether they've been able to pass on infection, but they've certainly had the infection right. themselves. We know that's happened in other parts of the world. In the US, they've talked about, I think, thousands of vaccinated people. Yeah, that, that's COVID the second part of this question. Sure, that, that can happen. Sure, that can happen, but it, it's typically milder. Um, it's typically milder. And ultimately, that's probably, you know, the vaccine's giving us a, a high level of protection, not 100%, but a high level. Mm. And we, we probably can't do better. So I think for a vaccinated person, it should become their choice. They can have their own risk-benefit calculation. Mm -hmm. If they want to continue wearing a mask because they're, they're worried about that, that small, tiny percentage right. that they might still get it, and it would probably still be mild anyway, but if they're worried about right. that, fine. If they're living with someone who hasn't been vaccinated and is vulnerable, sure. they're understandable, right? You want to take every precaution right now. Yeah. And, but uh, I, I, I totally agree with the principle that vaccinated people should be allowed to go back to their normal lives. I, I don't know if you want like, if you can answer that, if you want to answer that. But do you have any, like, I know you advise the government in some, in, in some capacity. Is, is there any potential for you and people like you to tell the government, like, let... To, to, to relax it. Uh, yeah, I've said it many times. On, on I, I've said it many times. They're but, never going to do it. Well, what, what typically comes back is, is, I have to say, people who tend not to have been vaccinated saying it's too risky for vaccinated people to be allowed to relax their, their measures. But then I would ask, like, if you haven't been vaccinated, then if you want to have a, a lower risk, get vaccinated. Yeah, what risk are you imposing on us? I talk about the risk we're imposing on you. <laughs> so... But so, this is yeah, this is just all silly though. It's like people like it's it's pointing fingers, people blaming each other, and the government is just is happy to keep doing that to keep people controlled. No, but this is the point: is they're saying vaccinated people shouldn't be free to take their masks off because they pose a risk to us right. of infection. It's like you pose a much greater risk to us by right. not getting vaccinated. But I, I, my point still stands. It's all just pointing fingers mm -hmm. and the government is happy that this is happening so they can keep controlling people. I, I, I wanted to raise one point which resonated with me at least uh, uh, from uh, people that were hesitant about the vaccine and mm. it's about the checkered past of the vaccine companies. Mm. You know, Pfizer and AstraZeneca and Johnson Johnson have, you know, massive felonies have been committed by them. They've paid out tens of billions of dollars in damages for products that were taken to market, mm -hmm. such as Vioxx, Bextra, Celebrex, thalidomide, you know, thalidomide, horrible, and opioids. Yeah. They're just a couple of examples. Moderna and Johnson Johnson have never brought a vaccine to market before. Should we be concerned about trusting these companies? I, I think we... It's important to distinguish between those historical issues with some medications mm. versus vaccines which are produced in a very very strictly controlled environment very very high quality mm. um, and actually when I hear people talking about their concern with the safety of vaccines there's two different issues with the safety of vaccines whichever vaccine you're talking about mm. one is whether the vaccine itself properly made perfectly made in exactly the right process will give you some side effects the second issue is whether there's contaminants. And if you remember in the past 10, 20 years, from time to time there have been issues with contaminants in vaccines mm. that have got there through some un unfortunate maybe accident in the, in the factory or, 
or something not being properly handled. Mm. That actually, that second damaged issue... Damaged vials? Damaged vials. That, that actually is, is, in my opinion, what Have poses a question. Have you seen the risk. damaged vials, by the way? No, so I, I know what happened, though. So with the BioNTech vaccine, they used these glass vials, actually the same vials as they use for a lot of different yeah. vaccines. If you've ever seen the nurse drawing a syringe yes, of the yes. vial, it's the same vials they use for all the different vaccines. Right. But because the BioNTech vaccine gets frozen at minus 70, yeah. it puts a lot of stress on the glass mm-hmm. and the metal and the rubber seal. Yeah. And actually, because they're worried about contamination getting into the mm-hmm. vial, yeah. they blow it up a little bit like a balloon. Not like a balloon balloon, right, but right, they, right. they inject a little bit of air inside. Put some pressure yeah. So put some pressure inside. So it's at a positive pressure. Yeah. But what that means is if there's even a tiny, tiny flaw in the yeah. rubber seal, yeah. that the liquid's going to leak out sure. because of that positive pressure. Yeah. And when you've put it at minus 70 and then you defrost it, mm. that's when that kind of maybe tiny microscopic crack can appear. So what, what I understand is that this may have happened other places in the world and the yeah. pharmacists are trained to look yeah. out for it. You look at, get the vial, you look at it in the yeah. light, you turn it round, any issue at all, discard it, chuck it away and get the next one and carry on. And in Hong Kong, they seem to have made a particular um, a particular issue out of it. They've gone to the manufacturer and said, what's going on? Because one in a thousand, two in a thousand vials. Yeah. Is that a would... reasonable concern? Uh, I think it's worth asking. But um, then from the manufacturer's point of view, if someone asks you a question about whether there's a fault in your vaccine, uh, you have a responsibility at that point to say, okay, stop mm. and let's investigate and then we'll get back to you and then you know, we'll let you know when we're confident that there's no problem on our side. Because if they said, we've heard about that before, it's nothing to worry about, and it mm. turned out it was different to what they'd heard about before, they'll be in big trouble. right? Mm. So it, it's their responsibility to say, you've got to pause. So in Hong Kong, they did that. And then they came back a week later and said, we've investigated. There's nothing, nothing to worry happened, about. Yeah. On our side, we've heard about this before. It's nothing new. Just carry on. Mm. But then in, in the Hong Kong side, they then discarded that whole lot of vaccines. And and, um, and that's, a, that's an expensive decision. That that's, that's a lot of vaccines that went to waste that, that, could, have, that, that yeah. could have been used. I mean, when you look at people, countries that can't get vaccines, it's yeah. like... One of, the, one of the scary things that I saw when I was getting vaccinated is that the vial had a massive tag on it with the expired time. Yes. And to me, that was just terrifying. Wait, you were looking? What are you, crazy? Yeah, of course <laughs> I was looking. So that, yeah, that's, that's the first thing. Dude, you know I didn't even want to get vaccinated. Bro, was, so you know what, what I was thinking? I was looking for reasons to just run. So I saw that and I almost went like, all right, that's it. Because my vial, I remember it very clearly. My vial said 1403. Yeah. Uh, sorry, 1603. Yeah. It was 13, uh, it was 358. It was five minutes uh-huh. out. So you just got in time. But actually, you yeah, know but that, that's terrifying. That, that they're just really erring on the side of caution. So with the BioNTech vaccine, yeah. it has to be defrosted. Yeah. And then it has to be mixed together with some other stuff. And each of those steps, I think a defrosted vial, you can keep it for seven days in the fridge. And then once you mix it with the other stuff and put oh it in a God. syringe. You're telling me they mix you've it got, with shit? You've got a certain, piece of, <laughs> a certain period of time to use it. And if it's not used by then, then they'll, they'll discard it. Actually, it might still have been okay. You said 403. Yeah, yeah it was five minutes out. If you got it at 10 past four, 20 past five, I think it would have been okay. Uh, but they just had these very strict procedures to make sure that everyone's getting the... So the how long has it been defrosting or out of the freezer? No, 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 no. no. So that's two different things. It's after mixing it, right? Yeah, so, yeah. so the vial's at minus 70 with the... With is it the frozen vial. completely at minus... I know minus, that's a dumb question. But minus 70 is, is, yeah. is oh, like dry ice. It's dry right, ice. Okay. So that's like totally solid, okay. solid dry ice. Okay. That's uh, solid in, in the vial. Sure. Bring it out, mm-hmm. and that process can take quite. A, it can take a day to, to bring it up to, to yeah. in a fridge to yeah. to thaw it. Yeah, and then at some time later after that, then they'll mix it together with the other stuff. To oh, oh, the oh, oh, what is the other stuff they're mixing? Is uh, it the microchip? So 
<laughs> I was going to say, this is where Hong Kong's uh, unemployed barmen have been working. They're, they're mixing the cocktails on the other side of the curtain. This is the first time I hear that they're mixing it with other shit. What, what are they mixing? Uh, you'd have to you have to look up and see see what exactly is called or they put it in with but I know there's you two are different looking for me is that something com- com- or whatever yeah it's two different things so okay. it's, it's the uh, uh, yeah, I, I can't tell you actually off the top of my head what the two different things are but it's it's the the exact vaccine compound and then it's maybe the suspension that it goes together with um I don't know, maybe One to keep shot it of vodka. To stable, yeah. Uh, some, I still want to know yeah. what, what I, I mean. Okay, so it's all other stuff. Just Google it, mate. No, like, he's here. Yes, yeah, so I don't know. He's, he's, I'm, I'm not, now he is Google. Not, not <laughs> But I know they have to mix these two things together in a certain portion. I can't, sorry, so that, that vial that I injected, the injected at me is not even the same thing that came from Germany. It is. No, it all came from Germany. It all came from Germany. But yeah. what is the other thing? That came from Germany as well. Okay. Yeah. All right, so no microchip. Uh, no, no microchip. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do, just before we want to wrap up, I do want to maybe just go back a little bit to, to the concerns about these companies. Um, so do we, do we think that there is no reason to think that Pfizer is, is reliable given, you know, some of the products they've brought to market that have been problematic? I, I, for, for these vaccines, they're produced in a very, very careful process. Very so, so, so the products that they've had issues with, you, you believe, or your, your view is that they're sufficiently different from vaccine technology. That's right. And then some of the issues you mentioned are issues not exactly with the quality of the product itself, but the marketing strategies with the opioids and so on. And with the thalidomide, actually, that's a really unfortunate example. That was a, actually, it, it wasn't, it was a... Do you know about this? It was a brewery. Yeah. It was a, a brewery. For, for some reason, it was the, the brewery that makes gin and other stuff. They had this idea to, to market thalidomide as a morning sickness pill. It had been proven to be a, a good, um, maybe a calming agent or something. Mm. And they thought it would be good for morning sickness. So they gave it to all these pregnant women, marketed it directly, mm. and it caused these birth defects. And as a result, and as a result of that, actually, there's much, much stricter processes now in place for testing and for regulating products. That was that was decades and decades ago, and that's changed practice because of that kind of. Well, we're also kind of like leaning on the idea that the big pharma, like the big companies, are moral companies that are making the right decisions for people, which is not really the case when you look at like our background is comedy, right? Like one of my favorite sketches from Family Guy is when Peter, the main character, go to Mr. Petersmith, his father-in-law, and he, he's like representing the man, right? And Mr. Petersmith tells him that he, they have had the, the cure for cancer all along. Mm. And Peter goes, what, you've had it? He's like, yeah, but why would I charge you one time for the cure when I can just keep charging you for the rest of your life, right? Yeah. Which so I, obviously is a joke, but that also represents people, like, what, why should I yeah, trust Yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess what you're saying is that the, the incentives of these companies may not align with what's the it safest always, and best for, for yeah, people. Yeah, it has so. always been financial gain first. I'm really impressed with AstraZeneca, particularly in this scenario, because mm. they, they charge such a low... Uh, You're doing it by cost, right? Basically, cost. I think it's the, the Hong Kong dollar equivalent is something like 20 or 30 Hong Kong dollars for a dose of AstraZeneca vaccine, mm. and that's 10 times less than any of the other vaccines you would have heard about. Mm. So they're really doing it at minimal cost. Uh, it's really a fantastic game. And they said explicitly that they want to do it for the good of the world. Um, that they know they can make a lot of profit out of it. They could double the cost, and that's a basically profit margin, pure profit margin. It's, it's still hard for me to believe that companies like that are just doing it out of the goodwill, like the well, goodness of the they're, they're, they're not making a cent. 
I'm sure they're making something, but it's they're, well, they're making something, and it's hard and for me to not imagine that there is some other motive that I don't is, know this about. This is because of Oxford University that developed the vaccine. That was one of their conditions that they would partner with AstraZeneca, but yeah. they wanted it to be available around the world. They didn't want AstraZeneca to turn it into a like a cash cow to milk the cash cow. Right. I actually so that, that yeah, was really I sent you that something yeah. about that months ago before they started do, having the blood clots problem. That's what I wanted to get yeah. because I read that I'm like, oh, these people actually are doing it. Yeah. The right way. But then going back to Pfizer, what makes me not think that oh they, they must have another motive and it's financial gain probably, which means that I don't well, know. All these pharmaceutical companies are companies that right. have a responsibility to their shareholders yeah. to do the best they can do. But at the same time, I think the shareholders would want the companies to be seen as doing things for the global good. Mm. I don't think any of the shareholders of whichever company, mm. whether whichever the bank companies are talking about, mm. the shareholders wouldn't want to. To think of their company as being a company that's a shark that's just looking for money. Um, so we've seen all these companies have been donating vaccines to to, to lower income countries, trying mm. to help the situation there as well. They're not only in it for the money; they're in it as well to, to help global health. But ultimately, if they were to just give away the vaccines, I think their shareholders would be furious because they've invested in these companies mm. and expecting to see a return on their investment. So that the, the companies have to have to do a, a bit of both. Right, have to have to make a profit to justify the to their shareholders. Yeah. But at the same time, I, I think the, the managers are good people that want to see a, a benefit to global health. Well, um, Ben, it's been so fantastic. Thank you so much. I know you're busy as hell <laughs> and we really appreciate the time. And uh, I know us, um, all the Hong, Hong Kongers are pretty excited about having you back on. Yeah.